Welcome to Roleplay Rescue. I'm your host, Che Webster, and this is a bonus episode. Over the past few weeks, ever since starting this project, I've been chatting to a couple of the gamers I know. One of the cool things that has happened is that one or two of these guys have agreed to record an interview about their own experiences. Unfortunately, the audio quality on these interviews has not been as good as I would have hoped. And I need to admit that while the content is good, these conversations have suffered a bit from less than ideal hardware. That being said, there is an old adage about the best camera being the one that you have with you. In my case, I think the best microphone has been the one we had available. I want to share these conversations because they lie at the heart of the project to create a community of discovery in which people can feel accepted. I'm uploading this episode as a bonus because frankly, The conversation is too good to consign it to the cutting room floor. Bear with us on the quality and see if there's anything you can take from the conversation in spite of a rough edit. Game on. Ted Wallerstadt lives in Minnesota in the US of A, where he works in computer audit and security. Ted has been a member of the Society of Extraordinary Gamers, or SXG, since 2014, and he is largely responsible for my own transition to role-playing online. He's a regular at my Castles and Crusades open table, hosted at SXG. This interview was recorded while Ted was in Santa Monica, California, and holed up in a motel right on the highway. He was hooked up to a computer with a basic headset and, frankly... I was straining to hear him well while we chatted. That being said, the conversation was a good one and gets to the heart of why online role-playing is so cool. Hello, Ted. Thanks for coming on to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. (laughs) No problem. Um, Okay. To warm us up, I I quite regularly have um, a sort of few standard questions. And I'm going to start with, given a preference, would you be a player or a GM? I like to GM, but I love to play. I'd much rather play. Okay. What is it about playing that kind of makes you want to do that more? Well, it's less work, for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it allows me to fully get into one character and explore that and take it where it goes, as opposed to if you're GMing, you're running every character in the game except for the PCs. Yeah. Okay, so you like the idea that you can kind of um, focus on one thing at a time. Yes, yes I do. Yeah, cool. I mean, it's really good as well to have someone who prefers to be a player. Almost all my guests so far, they're GMs uh, at heart. And I know that you GM, but it's kind of really good to hear about someone who wants to play. Yeah, so I play d and I play uh, Savage Worlds. Uh, yeah. Just about any game, I, I, I'm down to play. What is it that you enjoy the most about role-playing games? Well, the number one thing I like is the connection with other people. Right. I, I've met friends through gaming and, and made lifelong friends through gaming. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hanging out with my friends. It's, it's more important than the game itself. I do like the game. I do like to be able to escape into another reality and you know take risks and chances that i don't normally take in, in real life i'm a little bit risk averse maybe not as much as i should be i uh, rented a motorcycle today right <laughs> uh, 
So when you try and get a game, what's the biggest barrier? I think the number one biggest barrier is getting people's schedules together. Um, if you're playing a one-shot, that tends to be less of an issue, uh, a, a, a single game. But if you're running a campaign, running the, you know, having the same people show up at the same time every week or every other week, actually prefer every other week games, uh, but getting everybody to show up at the same time is, is tough. Yeah. And, and for me, another tough part is when to say no. <laughs> Are you saying you overcommit? I, I may have at points of my gaming, especially since I found this, um, absolutely spent too much time doing this. <laughs> so worst moment in the hobby for you? Oh man, I I don't know if I've had a lot of worst moments. I've had a couple of weird things. Um, <laughs> uh, a recent event uh, with my oldest son. I we've been playing in this campaign since 2014, and um, his character died, and he was really mad. And you know, he's a grown man, <laughs> <laughs> but he did not take it well. <laughs> so, I mean, what is what was it about it that felt weird? Um, so he took a couple unnecessary chances and uh, failed a saving throw, and it was a save or die situation, and mm-hmm. um, and that was it. And there was, you know, he was already wounded when he went into it, and and he was mad. He was mad at me, but so I learned a while ago, and as a as a GM, I don't want to pull punches. The dice are what the dice are. There has to be risk of a character dying. Otherwise, the game's not fun. Yep. And if that's the way the dice fall, that's the way the dice fall. You know, I, 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 as the GM, don't kill characters, but I certainly give them chances to get into the trouble. <laughs> I think that's probably one thing we have in common, isn't it, when it comes to the game? I would say in your games, we've lost more characters then I've lost all my games together since we started playing together. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, am I some sort of deadly DM? <laughs> you are, but that's that's fun too. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, I, I mean, I kind of like, obviously, um, what our listeners don't know yet, I guess, is that uh, you know we kind of met online gaming, and that's the big thing I want to talk about. Um, well, we started playing, if I remember correctly, with some 5e, 5th uh, edition Dungeons and & Dragons. Um, and I don't know, it, it's been a lot of fun, but you're right. There were some really interesting moments, weren't there, of uh, total party kill, etc. It's just, uh, like I said, as a, as a human being, I am more risk-averse than, than my characters are. And... Sometimes it takes a little bit to convince me that it's worth the risk to my character to get out there. Because <laughs> yeah. cause just a few odd pieces of gold really doesn't do it for me as a player. <laughs> like it, it's got to be the big thing. It's got to be the heroic thing. The, i got to stop the bad guy. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. What, so what, what do you do to keep yourself motivated with gaming then? I, I don't have any problem being motivated to game. I, I want to play. Um, you know, work all day, play all night, or play all weekend. Is that because that's what leads to the aforementioned, you know, overcommitment? 
it is. Um, I started playing in 1982, um, 82 or 83, and um, I was in like 11th grade, and I, I met some guys, and we started. You know, I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, we're we're playing game. You wouldn't understand. And, and, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? You know, trust me, let me in. And, and they did. And then they were uh, they were horrible, over overpowered characters. Uh, um, I started out. We played uh, Lost City before Lost City, and uh, with a 33rd level character, multi class character. It, it's just ridiculous. Uh, and, and we had artifacts. It was it was you know totally against all the rules, but I was hooked. And yeah. um, and it was hard to find a game, so I you know, read the DMG cover to cover, and I, I learned a lot. Um, maybe I should have studied a little harder in school. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I first edition was really uh, my first love. Uh, first edition AD and and. I love everything about that system. Um, I, I like how crunchy it is. I like how flexible it is. Crunchy, I mean, rules heavy. Um, but it's also completely flexible. It's, you know, when I GM, if the rules not there, I make it up, you know. Yeah. And and right now I GM Castles Crusades uh, most of the time. And when there's a rule missing there and I really want something, I would go to AD&D and just import it into my game. Yeah. Um, so, but, so I played, as a kid, I played, as a young man, I played uh, AD&D and Top Secret and Call of Cthulhu and even a little bit of Twilight 2000 and Paranoia. Um, and I played through my young adult life up until about 30 and I said, I'm too old for this, and I quit playing. It was just the silliest thing. <laughs> uh, I took like a, a eight-year hiatus from the game, and a friend, a friend of mine said, hey, well, I'm going to this gaming convention in Squared R2. Do you want to go with me? Um, and I'm like, sure, I'll go. And I went, and I met Stephen Chanel from Trova Games, and he showed me Castles and Crusades, and... That weekend, I, I played with Gary Gaiax at his house. It was oh, wow. maybe one of the last times Gary played. I, I played with Jim Ward. I played with Frank Mentzer. Frank ran one of the best AD&D games I've ever played. It was just amazing. Um, I, I learned a couple other board games like Eagle and a couple other things. But I, I sat at that con and played nonstop for a whole weekend. And then I realized, why did I ever quit? Yeah. Because um, the story you just told is is pretty much the story of probably most of the listeners here. I wonder kind of what tips do you have for a person who sort of wants to come back to it? It's like riding a bike. You never forget. And, you know, if you don't know the rules, only the GM needs to know the rules. Really. Uh, if it's you can't play locally, you can't find a group, um, online gaming is one of the things that when I first came back, I, I played a little, but it was hard to find a group and stick with that. Yeah. What, what really got me heavy into gaming is fantasy grounds. Um, I had someone recruit me. I, I looked at some other online systems. I looked at Roll20, which 
has its benefits. You know, you don't have to have software installed on your system for it. You can play in the web browser. It's got dynamic lighting. I think those are the, really the only two things that are better about that. Uh, but Panzer Grounds is super rich. It's well developed, especially with 5e. I, I was, but I was playing Panzer Grounds before 5e came out. As, as a player, I feel like I'm sitting at the table with Panzer Grounds and, and actually rolling the dice. And I, I feel like I'm sitting around the table with my friends in front. Yeah. And we do audio through uh, Audubon channel, through Newsfeed or Discord, or I've even done it through Skype and, and Google Hangouts, where that is our, oh, and Jitsi too, where that is our audio, sometimes video chat. Yeah. So what, what makes Fantasy Grounds special for you then? I, I really feel it, it, it's got a really deep level of, of richness to it that makes it feel real and feel like I'm actually sitting down to play. Yeah. Um, as, as a GM, it's an amazing tool that lets you keep track of hundreds of monsters at one time, you know, plus the player characters and initiative and, and combat orders. You can run huge, massive combats if you want to. But also the, the ability to share maps and pin them and and, and just it, it's more it's much more immersive both as a as a player and and and, and as a GM it's a tool that I don't want to do without. I actually have run my in person games since I started using fancy grounds with fancy grounds. So in, including at at uh, at GameholeCon this year I ran Castle uh, Crusades um, in person fancy grounds at time. And how did that go? I mean, how did the players respond to having Fantasy Grounds at the table? So I had five players at my table. Hmm. And uh, three of them really liked it. One was indifferent and one was a little put off by it because he hadn't seen it before and he, he wasn't all that comfortable with it. Hmm. But he played and you know, they played the mission and he didn't complain at all. Yeah. Okay, so why, why would you... Re- sort of feel that online play is the way to go i mean you said yourself it's the thing that really got you back into gaming um why do you think that is well uh it's allowed me to play with people from all over the world uh i uh it's allowed me to play with a group i'm playing with a group from australia that i've been playing with for four years and i actually got a chance to meet them last year which was amazing um, and it allows me to play with you and, and people from that side of the world. <laughs> yeah, you kind of got me into it. Um, and I can't remember exactly how. I think it was from Google Plus or something. And hey, come on, come on, you know, come and see this thing, the Society of Extraordinary Gamers. Um, tell us tell us a little bit about that. What's the society about? Well, I'm a, I'm a tabletop gamer guy. Uh, I, I like RPGs. That's, that's my thing. Um, I do play video games, but as much. But this is the SXG, Society of Extraordinary Gamers. They, they play video games. They play tabletop games. Uh, they, they do in-person games as well. I haven't been able to make any of them because they're in Arizona. But uh, it's, it's waxed wings a little bit, you know, with a, a, a core group of people. And, um, and, and every time we have a... 
um, a thanks and downs convention online or whatever. We, we try to recruit more people. Yeah. And it's allowed us for the whole time I've been in it and before to keep uh, uh, there's there's not a week that goes by where there's not an event on the calendar. And it, it's usually more than that. It's usually several in, in, in a week. Yeah. At, at one point it was it was a event on the calendar almost every day. Do you think uh, it's a little easier to find a game through something like SXG um, than perhaps if you were just trawling around the web? This is this is my bias, right? I think that the the people that I meet at SXG are, are willing to sit down and play on a regular basis. Um, if you go play on that other system, Roll Point, the crowd that tends to attract uh, tend to not show up as often, tend to be more anonymous. Yeah. Um, I like to actually know who I'm playing with. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's telling our group that um, sort of, you know, waxed and waned a little bit based on my flakiness. But, you know, there's a real core, isn't there, of sort of, you know, yourself and three or four other people who, yeah, we kind of get to know each other over time. And that's a really good thing. Um, it's not that much different to say meeting around my table. I like that. <laughs> so, I mean, someone trying to get into an online game, have you got any particular tips for that? Well, I, I would definitely recommend joining SXG and, 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 and taking a look there. There's other places as well. Fantasy Grounds uh, Forum is a great place to, to look for a group there. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups that have like, gaming, you know, theme where, where people will, will talk about, you know, you know, one shots or even campaigns. Yeah. I mean, I'm asking you because you're the recruiter for my table. I mean, I would think just about everybody who's come to my table, you brought them there. Um, how do you do that? Well, I, I ask around in my other games. I yeah. post about it online, post about it on my Facebook page. Actually, posted about it on Mewi. We recently opened up a, a society that's sort of doing this group on, on Mewi as well. Yeah. So you kind of just get out there, post around, and I guess if you're playing in a game and you come across a good player, you sort of what poach them? Well, I I, I, think, I don't know if I like the word poach. Um, I, <laughs> I will invite them to come play with us. I don't, I won't steal them from other games, but I will invite them to come play. With I guess it's that thing of like, hey, you enjoyed that game. There's another game over here. Is that is that your approach? Well, first of all, Peter, your your game is a ton of fun. You are a great DM, and I don't say that about everybody I work with. Okay, uh, thank you. So, so I'm I'm very happy to recruit people to come play. Okay, I I struggle with like I really honestly I struggle with um, running a game online at the moment. I. You know, I've been doing it for a couple of years on and off, but I, I don't know. I, I found it hard to adjust. Um, I guess for me, the hardest thing is that I'm a GM who likes to do, you know, that old school dungeon crawly type thing with um, cool maps, and I kind of see the massive potential of using Fantasy Grounds to, you know, show the map and have the players crawl through it. And um, for those who don't know and listening, what I tend to do is have the map and, and sort of reveal bits of it as the players explore. Um, 
But of course, doing a digital online map is fairly difficult. Well, at least it is for you know a technophobe like me. Um, so, I mean, am I doing it in a weird way, Ted, or am I doing it in a way that's quite common, or or what? I am quite happy with your maps and and how we play them. Uh, one of the things that makes Spanish Ground such a good system is the ability to do that that map and reveal it um, as you play. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so GMing online does take a little bit more prep than, than GMing in person, uh, because you do have to, you know, plan the encounters or uh, plan the maps out in advance. Um, whereas, if you're playing in person, it's it's pretty easy to just you know, grab a piece of paper and go. Yeah. That investment, though, of time, it does pay off. Well, at least I feel it does. I think it's the level of engagement with the players seems to be higher. Is that an illusion or is that, you know, do you think there's some truth in that? I've spent, you know, a week worth of hours uh, developing a one shot for a time and turned around and had the players completely do something different. Um, and I've honestly sometimes a little bit lax in preparing my, my weekly or biweekly game. And the players just do what they want, and that seems to work pretty well off the cuff there, too. Yeah. And, I mean, so I have options for them, what are they going to do? Um, but unless they're going up the, you know, the big bad guy, encounters aren't necessarily planned in advance. So, so the off the cuff gaming is possible again, I do too. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like your person's comfort level, isn't it? I'm personally, I, you know, I'm much more comfortable if I feel prepped. Um, but I guess if you know you are that kind of person who can wing it a little bit, then you know, Fantasy Grounds is not going to stop you from doing that. You know what they say: um, listen to what your players are afraid of and throw that at them. <laughs> not that I'm suggesting that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think one of the hardest things with um, online gaming, and um, you know, I don't know what you think of this, but I think the hardest thing is feedback because <clears throat> if I'm talking, like I'm talking to you now. Um, we are like audio, but I can't see you. When I'm sitting at a game table with my friends, I can see them. So I can see when a player disengages and I can see when a player is like, you know, hanging on every word. Um, I feel like I, I, do, I don't have that when I play online, you know, just audio and the, the stuff on the screen. Um, and I know that players are notoriously bad at being able to give anything other than most vague feedback. Doesn't matter. Honestly, I talk to other players who, um, other GMs who, who want to do video games, right? So we use Jitsi too, uh, so you can mm. see each other um, with one of my groups. And uh, one of my groups is talking about going to a, a Twitch broadcast where not only is it video for each other to see, but it's video being broadcast on the internet. Yeah. Um, some people are shy and, and are little less comfortable with that but if, if you were to do that the video piece then you could see how you your players engaged yeah um, it, there tends to be an issue with say internet bandwidth for everyone um not all, all not everybody lives where there's fiber not everybody lives where there's good internet i kind of live out in the, the boondocks myself i actually have uh three different options for internet access at my house i have a cable provider and a DSL provider, 
and uh, my phone hotspot as a backup, just in case. Um, that's the other thing. I can play online from anywhere. I, uh, not to advertise for Verizon, but they have pretty good coverage, and I run my Verizon hotspot and play while I'm driving down the road. Well, <laughs> usually, usually while I'm in Mexico. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've experienced that. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, and so Fantasy Grounds doesn't, doesn't use up a lot of bandwidth. That's, that's not a good thing about it. But, you know, if we went to video, that might be a, a more technically challenging thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely advantages in there to audio only. And the Fantasy Grounds, as you said, doesn't eat a lot of bandwidth. So um, it does make it very doable. The biggest complaint I hear from people about Fantasy Grounds is cost. What would you say? Well, Fantasy Grounds, for the player, is generally free. If the DM has the ultimate license, but the player doesn't need to have a paid license. Okay. The, the, the cost for the ultimate license is um, high. It's $149. It goes on sale once in a while. Um, but I am... I feel like I've got every nickel's worth of money out of that investment. I, yeah. you know, five years of playing, you know, four to 16 hours a week, um, you know, pennies on the minute, you know, for less. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing, isn't it? It's $149 up front for an ultimate license, but actually the, you know, that's it forever, isn't it, really? <laughs> it, it uh, so far... <laughs> <laughs> other than modules i mean you talked earlier about dungeons and dragons fifth edition and fantasy grounds is undoubtedly you know awesome for fans uh, for you know, fans of that game um and that's again a bit of an investment for the gm on top but oh my goodness i mean having used it the functionality is amazing right it, you, you can literally level up your characters by dragging and dropping the character class onto itself um, and it, it all works uh, very autom in an automated way, automatically, I like to say. <laughs> yeah, I kind of forgot to the point where we started playing Castles and Crusades, um, and I was missing a lot of the functionality, you know, with, with 5e. The investment that's been made in that game by Fantasy Grounds has just been amazing. On the other hand, if you're running a game and you want to get into a rule set, but so what you're saying is if you get a GM um, you don't have to pay for the the fantasy grounds app um, and you can just drop in and play and there's really no cost right that's right sure so I mean if a player comes on and like joins one of our gaming groups um, you know I've got an ultimate license or you've got an ultimate license we are absolutely and hand on heart saying they don't have to pay a penny. They can come and play, see if they like it, and then go from there. Right, exactly. And with SXG having games pretty much every week and lots of different types of games, um, hey, why wouldn't you try it out, I guess? It's definitely worth it. <laughs> okay. Um, that has been brilliant. I just wanted to one. I just wondered if there was anything that you wanted to add. Um, you know, we're, we're talking to people who are thinking about coming back to the gaming hobby. You told us yourself that you kind of regretted that eight years out and, you know, you had that amazing experience at a con, you know, meeting Gygax and others and, and gaming. Um, is there anything that you would sort of say 
to that player that might help persuade them? Well, the, if you have a Windows machine, playing a fancy ground will cost you nothing. You can play during FG time or during one of our gaming groups um, and play with a player that has an ultimate license and almost all of the SXG GMs do have the ultimate license. It doesn't have to be me, it can be just about any game. Uh, D&D, Starfinder, Pathfinder, uh, uh, Savage Worlds, uh, lots of different flavors of Savage Worlds, Star Wars, uh, just a, a ton of different stuff, and Traveler. Um, if, if, you, if you can think of it, someone's either playing it now or developing it. In addition to the, the paid rule sets, there's community rule sets. Um, if the online thing is really not your your idea of what you want to do, go check out your friendly local game store. They almost always have schedules up and running. And just get your involved in one doesn't mean you don't have to do that. And I guess there's always the conventions in America too. There there is. Um, so we have Town of the North in Twin Cities coming up in February. Um, it's pretty awesome. There's DairyCon, which is what GenCon used to be, um, which is in uh, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. It's, it's really a great time. Uh, the, the big GenCon, which I personally haven't been to, my brother's been a couple times. It's, it's on my bucket list. Mm. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for um, coming on. It's been um, really kind of interesting chat about online gaming and, and also about your experience as well. Um, just wanted to say thank you for you know coming on the show really all right i'm, I'm you're welcome and, and thanks for having me I'm, I'm gonna have to start checking out your podcast yeah no worries i'll send you a link yeah <laughs> cheers dad thanks yeah that was a little rougher than i'd like but that was an interview brought to you here as a bonus episode on roleplay rescue I'm Che Webster, your host, and I hope that you found something of interest from our conversation. As ever, I'll be back on Saturday with another regular episode. See you soon. Game on.